another motorcycle, you guys. Thank God. Oh, I thought it was someone different. I hope that this is not just like a circus of motorcycles today. <laughs> I think they're called a motorcycle gang, not a motorcycle circus. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my mind. <laughs> Cara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about health and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push it. Hey there, it's Jill from the Push Podcast. A content warning before we get started. This episode tackles the topic of pro-life, pro-choice, abortion, and the recently passed six-week abortion ban in the state of Texas. We will be discussing personal abortion stories, miscarriage, and more related to this topic. This episode is heavy. If these topics are triggering to you in any way, we ask that you please protect your mental and emotional health by skipping this episode. Thank you for being a Push Podcast listener. And now, on to our episode. Hello, welcome to the Push Podcast. This is season two, episode 23. And uh, we are recording on a different day. So I'm like a little bit like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Discombobulated would That's, be the word. I was too discombobulated to even say that. <laughs> I'm all like, Woo! Yes, yes. <laughs> it is Saturday, not Sunday. And mm-hmm. Cara did a workout this morning, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, taking care of my children while my husband was at work. And yeah, so that's mm-hmm. that. And last night, my husband and I got a date after months and months, maybe. It's been a long mm-hmm. time. But my very good friend slash sister, Cara, watched my children so that we could go do that. And it was really fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're all about families we choose here. And I, I do not believe that we are meant to be taking care of our children on our own. And maybe that's because parenting, it's really hard for me, (laughs) but also like, I think I probably not the only person that thinks parenting is hard. And so, you know, like we should, we should be taking care of these kids as a village. And it's, I, I have experience with that because my mom lives with us and we get a lot of help. Um, but also because I've had that experience, I hope that my friends and family can get the same kind of help because it's important. It's important to like have time to like do things for yourself. So you don't lose yourself in taking care of your kids because those little bastards are, (laughs) energy suckers yeah they are (laughs) yes they are 
And I like, and I wanted to talk about this too, like just in full transparency. It has been so long since my husband and I have been on a date that I was like legit nervous and not like butterflies nervous, not like, oh, I'm so excited. Like I was nervous because I hadn't had time alone with him in months. Right. It was like having social anxiety. It was. It was for someone you live with. And I want to normalize that because I cannot be the only one who experiences this. I can't be. So if you are listening to this and you have had that same experience, like you're not alone, um, find a friend or family member who you trust with your kids and get back out there because it'll, it takes a little bit to de-thaw, but once we kind of both admitted that we were both nervous and it felt silly, like we were fine Mm -hmm. and we got to like have grown up conversations nice yeah you gave me the eyebrow how grown up were they <laughs> did you like sit across the table from each other like hey nice tits <laughs> tell us more jill um <laughs> well maybe <laughs> although we did see we did see people we know because we do everywhere so mm-hmm. we didn't talk that loudly about each other's tits reminds me of this there's a cartoon and I don't I don't know who it's by but it has like you can tell that the cartoon artist used literally the same drawing of a body of a topless uh, Uh person with like a little bit of a belly and boobs with like shorts on but one of them the head is is clearly a woman the other one the head's clearly a man and the man's going Jesus Lois that's obscene you can't be out here like this (laughs) body yeah that's right like free the nipple we should be able to post our nipples anywhere we want yeah okay so last time we did we've been doing photo shoots for our body affirmation deck and if you don't know about that yet this is a project we've been working on Mm -hmm. um so excited it is a card deck and each card will have a different body on it with um, an affirmation as well. So you can pick one every day and it will normalize seeing different bodies, but different shapes, different colors, different sizes, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and also show all of these different bodies doing fitness things. And so um, when at the end of the last shoot, I was like, you know, it'd be fun is to do a couple photos of like topless kettlebell swinging. And so We've been developing those pictures or I editing those. Pictures. I saw one. Yeah. Yeah. I saw one and I showed it to Sam. And, Did you? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, it was so funny because he goes, oh, huh. And then that was it. <laughs> that was all he was willing to dare say. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think, I think part of that is because he, uh, use you as a sister so he's like right. is that my sister right doing naked kettlebell swings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can't really see anything no you can't see anything and so but I did I think in the in there was a version of it where he like really blurred out my nipples and I was like don't do that just edit it a little bit so that like it just looks fuzzy but don't like I don't want to I don't want a nude circle over my nipple don't you dare blur out my nipples yeah, my nipples be out there Free the nipple. Turn this. 
you take that little fuzzy airbrush and <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> but take yes photoshop and just get <laughs> right yes and actually um Kara's husband Matt is our photographer for these yes. bad cards so that's uh that is really cool he's got a really um really cool style and he's getting better and better at it so I'm like really excited um we have a photo shoot tomorrow with a couple of people and then we have a photo shoot um in a few weeks mm-hmm. and I'll be getting to do that one I will not be topless oh maybe right. I don't know we'll see <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so be on the lookout for that that's really exciting um okay so the topic of today's podcast mm-hmm. is in support of abortion and life. Mm-hmm. And we're going to explain that in a little bit. And no, I do not think we are straddling the fence. Nope. I don't feel any splinters in my crack. No. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel very good about this one. Yeah. Um, we will break that down for you. Yeah. And we thought it was really important to talk about this today because uh, as most of you know, Texas has just passed um, the SB8 law that makes um, all abortion illegal past six weeks, mm-hmm. which is before most people even know that they are pregnant. Right. Um, you can be two weeks late with your period for so many different reasons. You can change your diet. You could be having high stress. You could have, you know, you could be sleeping differently or maybe on a a medication. There's so many reasons that you would not know or not notice that your period was late. And so this effectively makes abortion illegal in Texas, Mm -hmm. full stop. Mm -hmm. Which is just so incredible incredibly angering yeah I like my cheeks are getting red yeah I'm so mad about this yeah and it and it and it feels very scary as someone with a uterus I mean mm-hmm. I have my tubes tied but I have I can have an immense amount of empathy for people who don't um and how scary that might feel to be in a position in a state like that mm-hmm. and that this now sets precedence right for more states to do this right. and um so we have been told so many times to just stick with fitness. Yeah, just stick to fitness. That's what I came here for. Right. Because we are, we are trainers. We are in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we care about health. Um, and we care about health first and foremost. And access to medical care is one of the social determinants of health. It, mm-hmm. it probably plays even a bigger part in your overall health than diet and exercise yep so um so while we love fitness and we love talking about it we love your health even more and so we need to talk about these kinds of things because if we can't talk about these things and we say that we are here for your health then we're not really telling you the truth yep exactly so essentially we are sticking to fitness yeah yeah Exactly. So we wanted to address that right off the top because we hear that a lot. Um, So we wanted to start off talking about this topic through our own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So Kara, what were you taught growing up in regards to this subject? Like literally nothing. Mm -hmm. So in my family, um, 
we were sort of one of those families that just didn't talk about stuff. Like I remember once my dad sitting me down and I think he was trying to tell me that like, he was trying to make a comparison with like other countries and like how lucky we were to be Americans because we were the greatest country in the world and this and that and how like other countries didn't have it so great. And I think he thought that this was like this really liberal viewpoint. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But as I'm saying it, I'm like, how did we get from A to B there? Because, but like, I mean, I remember like when I first got my period, my dad sat me down and very awkwardly just asked if I was okay. <laughs> and that was it. Oh my God. And then my mom, nothing. Like, oh, and then like, seriously, even to this day, I'm 43 years old. I cannot talk to my mom about sex. No. When I bring up any kind of sexual thing, my mom literally malfunctions. She like this is what happens. She gets rigid. Uh, she's like, oh, her, <laughs> her whole body tightens up. It does she gets very quiet, mm-hmm. and then she will either pretend that she has not heard you. Yes, I've seen this. Or she will grunt in disapproval uh-huh. and then pretend that she has not heard you. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. So, so <laughs> it's one of the funniest things, though. <laughs> we just so, we just cackle at her. So, so, like in my house, there was just not there was just not a lot of discussion about this at all. And in mm-hmm. my school, when we went through sex ed, sex ed was taught through an extremely heterosexual lens, as mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it still is. Yeah. It was very, very heavily um, versed in abstinence as being, you know, the best way to prevent your penis from falling off or getting pregnant. And, you know, and then they used fear. Right. So, so because that's the thing, like, I remember the boys all got all went into like the gym and watched these videos of like all of these you know, terrible diseases and growths on their penises. And they'd come out and their eyes were like saucers and they were like, dear Lord. Like, <laughs> like, just yeah. So it was like fear and shame and abstinence. And that was like kind of it. Mm-hmm. And so even when I first started having sex, I never told my parents. Mm-hmm. I went to Planned Parenthood to get birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that like I it was just it was just never talked about yeah and so um the, even the idea of abortion I didn't even know where my parents really stood on this until I was an adult mm-hmm. which seems really interesting to me now because I talk to my kids about everything yeah like I mean even the five-year-old to as much as I can I talk to him about all these things because I think he should know like I I I do, I do follow age appropriate guidelines, just so you know that I'm not out there. Like, (laughs) but I, I think it's important for him to, um, to know about these things more upfront so that he's more likely to talk to me about it because that probably would have made a difference for me growing up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what about you? What was your experience like? Oh, well, tell me so yeah um you all if you've been following us for a while you all know that I grew up in a pretty conservative Christian home so like in 
in regard to sex, like it was just never discussed unless you were talking about abstinence and saving yourself for marriage. That part was the only, and it was really surface level stuff. So there was no, like, there was no other discussion about it. There was definitely no discussion about um, abortions. Um, I don't think that, like, even to this day, I don't think my parents and I have ever discussed abortion hmm. or pro-life or pro-choice. I don't think, yeah. like, I assume that they're pro-life because of their um, roots in um, Western Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't actually know for sure. Wow. So we've never talked about it. So when was the first time that you learned what abortion was? Um I don't, I really don't remember when I learned what it was. Probably, I would assume probably on some like back to school special on TV or something is how I learned about it. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I got for those, I guess. That's where I learned <laughs> most things is on the Lifetime channel. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's, that's really like, that's all I knew about it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how different we are parenting our kids. And I like, I have not talked to my five-year-old about abortion, but I've certainly talked to my 13-year-old about it. Sure. And we've talked about, you know, and especially lately in terms of like what's happening politically, Mm -hmm. because those kind of things are important. And um, so, yeah, it's. No, I think that like, there, some of the decisions and choices and avenues that I would have taken in life could have been so much different if I would have known more. Mm -hmm. Um, and really like as a parent, it's your responsibility to teach your kids those things because otherwise they're going to be learning them from lifetime. Right. And like, you know, do you really want someone else to teach your kids about this stuff? Because right. Like, So I think, and actually, I think the very first time I even talked about abortion with either of my parents was when I was telling my dad that I was going to have one. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about that a little bit is that I, I have had an abortion and I have also had miscarriages Mm -hmm. and I have been absolutely wrecked by those miscarriages. Mm -hmm. But I have also felt absolutely freed by my choice to have an abortion when I did. And I know for a lot of people that doesn't compute for them. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to explain that a little bit. So when I had an abortion, I was in a relationship that was very um, unhealthy Mm -hmm. and even became abusive. And I, when I found out that I was pregnant, it occurred to me that I would be linked with someone who had locked me in a bathroom and tried to choke me for Mm. the rest of my life. And I was thinking, this is not this, like, I, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine parenting with this person. And I mean, really when that happened, it made things very clear. Like I couldn't imagine even being with that person anymore, (laughs) but I, and I think about that, even in, in, even in the absence of the abuse, 
that I, at that point was also not ready to be a mother. Mm -hmm. I was trying to start my career. I was still, um, I was still learning about my own beliefs. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I, I just was not in a place where I could financially support a child where I could, um, where I felt like I could really parent because I didn't even know myself enough to parent someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think about that because I could say, oh, you know, like, you know, I think about it's like, well, in cases of incest and rape, some people are like, oh, abortion is okay then. But I'm like, well, I feel like abortion should be okay if the, if the parent just, if the, the person carrying the child or the fetus is just not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is one of the big differences for me with the miscarriage is that intent that when I had that miscarriage, I was, I had several that I was, I was devastated. Um, but it wasn't because I thought that I had lost a human being. It was because I was mourning that potential to grow my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I was ready to be a parent. And so it was the loss of that opportunity to parent with my partner at that time. Mm-hmm. And I did not at any point think that I, that, that a, that a person had died when that miscarriage happened. It was that potential that like that excitement mm-hmm. to, to, to have that child. And so that was a huge difference to me. So it wasn't that like, um, that, you know, that baby that I aborted wasn't a human and the miscarriages that I had were like, it, it's, yeah. it's not like that. It is that they were both, they were, they were a, a group of cells that had this potential to, to come into this world and one group of cells would have in my my opinion wrecked my life mm-hmm. um and one would have grown my life and and fulfilled a great desire that i had and felt ready for mm-hmm. but it never felt like like this is this is killing or this is death to me yeah um it felt like it was still it was part of my body and um my own experience yeah well I just want to say thank you for sharing those things because those are that's a really very vulnerable place to be and to share those things and to Mm -hmm. even share your thoughts Mm -hmm. on that Mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing that um that's and and that is your experience and that is okay like that is valid and for those of you listening who um did think of those groups of cells as a baby that you lost um that's okay too that is also valid and that's the whole point is like everybody's experiences and feelings with their own bodies Mm -hmm. is a valid thing Mm -hmm. and should be your choice Mm -hmm. so and you know growing up in um conservative christianity and seeing um, conservative Christians uh, protesting abortion, protesting Planned Parenthood, protesting all those things, like 
it's it's a really strange place to be as a former Christian to like not really understand both sides but like see both sides and kind of grapple with that mm-hmm. because it was for such a long time that um I just accepted what I was told mm-hmm. um from from that religion and never questioned it and here's the here's the funny thing about that too is like we were never um we were never told that we couldn't question things as as a young Christian I was never told I couldn't question anything but it was always met with the same answer and it was like um that the bible is the inerrant word of god and that um have faith like those kind of things like Mm -hmm. that was always the answer there was never like a real like here is how that all pans out Mm -hmm. and I think that once you uh kind of if you can allow yourself to get to that place that is a hard thing to reckon with it is really strange Mm -hmm. I'm still like I'm 40 years old I'm still grappling with some pieces of that Mm -hmm. um but I'm allowing that to happen so if you think about like why um why you feel that way and go back and dig in like first of all the bible that is being printed and produced today isn't even the full bible like there are so many different books out there um that were originally included in um in this body of work that isn't in the bible now or what we what we know as the bible now and I think like, I would be really curious to go back and read like what those other books say about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So the inerrant word of God has been crafted by a man, written by a man, and has been put together by a man as what is the acceptable uh, book of ethics. And when we say man, we really mean, I really mean man, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, there was, there's not a lot of female Women. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's not, there's not, and so, and that's one of like one of the um, uh, Bible verses that Christians often use is um, that. Well, actually, I'll just read it to you. This is the one that keeps coming up over and over and over again. Is Jeremiah one four through five? Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So that's one of the things that um, that gets tossed around a lot in terms of pro-life um, and anti-abortion, I should say, um, is that, you know, this is a child that was known by God, uh, created in God's image before um, they were born, and therefore that life is sacred. Um, so... Let's talk about that a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> can we? Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to our discussion. Do you love the Push podcast? Support us by becoming a Push patron. As a Push patron, you will have exclusive access to our episodes, bonus materials, freebies, the ability to ask us questions and more. Go to www.patreon.com pushfitness. That's www.patreon.com slash pushfitnessnow to get started. And now, back to the Push Podcast. Um, so, yes, there are many references in the Bible that say that, um, that human life uh, was created in the image of God by God, and therefore you are children of God. There are many places that it says that. There is no specific 
place anywhere in the Bible that says that abortion is wrong, right? There's not even anything in the Bible period about abortion, right? Which leads you to think that like there, like that when these were, these scriptures were being written, that there still wasn't an idea of like when life was considered a separate life, right? Like, you know, like, and, and it, it does vary from culture to culture. Like there are some cultures that don't even name their children for the first year because they don't, aren't considered separate from the mother until right. they are a year old. Like, right. like, so, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of dispute about when a person becomes a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is it at first breath? Is it at conception? Is it when there's a heartbeat? The heartbeat thing really gets me because you can make heart cells beat in a petri dish, mm-hmm. like, like, and that petri dish is not a person, like. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, you know, so, so we we know there's a lot to there's a lot to think about here, and if this fetus threatens the life of the person carrying it, like whose life matters more. You know, oh, like there's, there's, yeah. it, there's so much nuance there, which is probably why it's such a hotly debated topic. Right. There's a ton of nuance there. And I'm glad that you mentioned the, um, the thing about when conception or when life begins, um, cause the, the big billboards, literal billboards out there say life begins at conception. Well, does, like the Bible, what does the Bible actually say about that? Let me read you a little something. Would you? Okay. So <laughs> here's. <laughs> You know, I love nothing more than listening to Bible passages. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so this is one of the only um, instances in which even loss of pregnancy um, is uh, is discussed in the Bible. It's in Exodus 21, 22 through 25. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. So here's what that means. <laughs> what that means is that if the if a woman is in an altercation, um, so this specific thing was like, two men are brawling and a woman gets injured, a pregnant woman gets injured in the process. If that life is fully formed, then it's the death penalty. If it's not, then it's property. Right. Which would be, hmm. whose property is it? Property of the quote unquote woman's or uterus owner's body. Right. <laughs> right. And, and in this instance, like the pregnant person's body is the property of her husband, blah, blah, blah. We, we don't even get it that's another that's a whole another podcast (laughs) but like so even in the bible itself it's like it's still you know before it's fully formed it's property it's considered property it's not considered life and there's a distinction made there Mm -hmm. that if it is fully formed then it's then it's life so so and then i'm sure there'd be people there debating fully formed and this and that and there certainly you know. would yes mm-hmm. and actually um we just listened to a really great podcast on this that breaks down all of these um 
Bible verses and stuff. It's called Advocate Activism. Mm -hmm. And we'll put a link to that podcast in our show notes. And it's a short mini episode um, called My Uterus, My Choice. And it's really good. Like, go check it out. You'll, it'll, Mm -hmm. she'll break it down. Her name is uh, Rhea Dickerson Mm -hmm. and she'll, she breaks it down even more. So yeah, she did an amazing job on this this podcast and she is partnered with Amira Stanley. And so they both do these little mini episodes. Um, So if you like this one, I would highly suggest going back and listening to all of them. Yes. Mm -hmm. But um, yes, we digress. So let's talk about, like we did say that this, that this podcast was also going to be pro-life and we mean it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, this is our version of pro-life because what, what we think pro-life is, is very different from what a, a lot of other people think they mean when they say pro-life. Um, when I hear pro-life coming from a religious conservative, what I know that they're saying is that they are pro-birth or pro the unborn. Mm-hmm. Um, because many times these particular people are not concerned with the actual lives of the people who are carrying these, these pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And they're not concerned with the life of these children. Once they are born, they often do not support, um, healthcare funding, welfare programs, um, um, uh, comprehensive sex ed um, and support like parental leave and things like that. So a lot of the things that would actually help these children who they're so adamant to be brought into this world, Mm -hmm. survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. These, these pro-lifers are really not concerned with it all. Right. And, you know, it's like, have the baby, have the baby, have the baby. And then they have the baby and then there's no support. Right. And I've actually seen this in, in motion. I had a friend who ended up adopting a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a really interesting situation where she, one of her friend's cousins or something was on the, was living on the street. She had gotten pregnant. The church that she was going to convinced her to have this child. Mm -hmm. She did. She was not going to have the baby, but she did. And then once the baby was born, she was shamed for not being able to take care of it. Uh So she was, she was trying to go back to work. She was working at McDonald's. She was, the baby was being watched by another homeless person or houseless. I should say houseless, another houseless person while she was at work. And like that baby was not being fed enough. It was Mm -hmm. They, she did not have enough money to buy um, diapers. So the baby had diaper rash all the way up to its armpits. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and instead of being, instead of the church saying, here, here, let us help you. We convinced you to have this child. Let us help you provide for this child now. It was, well, get your life together. Mm-hmm. And so that baby ended up being put up for adoption. And talk about shame that person wanted to have an abortion Mm -hmm. knowing that they couldn't take care of the child to begin with had the baby because they felt shame and then that shame was even compounded by then having to give the baby up right which was the right thing to do yeah um but 
And that's a lifelong impact on that person too. Like on everybody, on everybody. Yeah. Except for the people who convinced her to have that baby. No, it, it matters to them. Zero. Right. Right. Like yep. it, it, or zero impact on those people in general. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah. So like when we say pro-life, we mean the life of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, like we are pro life of the pregnant person. We are pro, you know, like for me, like finishing school, getting my life together, like starting a career, getting out of an abusive relationship. Like that's life. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah. And pro-life of the child being born. Yes. Like, pro-life of, of their experience of their being, being taken care of and nourished and loved and safe and, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the pregnant person isn't able to provide that, then that's pro pro choice pro life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's both. Mm-hmm. So, so, and then let's talk a little bit too about why um, why a lot of these conservative religious views and this law in particular in Texas can be so harmful. Um, Study after study after study has shown that areas that have the most access to abortion report the lowest rates of abortion. Mm -hmm. So let me say that again. When abortion is wildly and easily available, people are having less and less of them. And the reason is, is because most of the time in those particular areas, those are also areas that have a lot of access to really good sex ed, sex ed, um, access to um, pregnancy prevention. Um, and, and also a difference, especially if we're talking about other countries like the Netherlands, there's a really good study there where just the attitude about sex in general is different, that there's not so much shame. There's sort of an expectation that kids are going to be having sex Mm -hmm. and that it's okay. It's not like, it's basically, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if, if you, if we're, if we start to see sex in that way, and not as this like, like grit your teeth till you get married or, you know, like the, like it's the, I mean, even rape goes down mm-hmm. in those areas where yeah. sex is not seen as something to be ashamed of. And, mm-hmm. um, and you have access to a lot of ways to do it safely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that, um, that's a really uh, that's a really good point. And that, and that's where like our, um, how this going to say this, that's a really important, um, distinction, I think, is that the, the policies and the institutions are, are the issue from the top down. Like if we like, think about like what we're talking about in the beginning, like if we would have learned all those things, if we would have been able to talk about all those things, if we would have had access to all those things Mm -hmm. how much of a difference that would have made Mm -hmm. like huge yeah I mean I probably would have had a lot safer sex Mm -hmm. if I'd been able to talk about it more yeah like I mean yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> and so, um, and then I think, I mean, I think about it from all different perspectives. Like, you know, if we lived in a society where these things were more normalized and that there wasn't so much shame um, and stigma around bodies and sex and sexuality, that, um, that how much that would change a lot of interactions that we have. Mm -hmm. And this is another thing when, when asked about the, the fact that this bill did not make an exception for rape and incest, Governor Abbott said that he was dedicated to eradicating rape in, in Texas, that he was going to like, you know, personally walk the streets and arrest all the rapists and get them off the streets so that we didn't have, to, we wouldn't have to worry about that with this bill. And there's so many things wrong with that because these are the kind of bills because they are, they seek to regulate and dehumanize people who, who own uteruses. Um, that that creates even more of a rape culture because it says we we mostly white men can and should control other people's bodies mm -hmm. and the people who are going to be affected the most by this are people who are black and brown mm -hmm. and people most and a lot of people who identify as women and so like the the kind of trying to think of how I want to word this but basically that creates more of a rape culture that's not going to get people off the streets and most of the time um, rape happens between people who know each other mm -hmm. sometimes even family members and a lot of times it takes a long time for those people to come forward it's going to take a lot longer than six weeks for a lot of people to come forward if they come forward at all right so instead of being able to quietly go and get an abortion to keep yourself safe. Now these people could potentially be hunted down after already being victimized by someone. Yeah. And I, the amount of violence that goes into that kind of thinking is really absurd to me. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the other thing too, that I was thinking of when you were talking about that was like, just because this ban is in place, it doesn't mean that people are going to, people are going to do it anyway. They're going to find mm -hmm. a way to do it anyway. So they're going to put themselves at risk. Mm -hmm. They're going to put their bodies at risk. They're going to put people who love them at risk because they have to seek out these other avenues mm -hmm. um, to, to make the choice that they deserve to make. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's another part of like, when we were talking about, um, policies procedures and institutions like those decisions matter greatly mm -hmm. like greatly and, and people who have uteruses are not the only person who create the life mm -hmm. i mean so and their bodies are being policed right mm -hmm. like like so like we should if if there's if there's an abortion ban there should be mandatory uh, vasectomies I mean, or like people who have sperm could be charged with reckless abandon. Yeah. How about uh, child support starts at conception then? <laughs> How about, I mean, and like, you may be listening to this thinking that is wild. Like nobody would ever do that. That's the fucking point. Yep. Like, like if we're not saying like, Hey, vasectomies are reversible. 
all people with penises get vasectomies right out of the gate before they start having sex. Mm-hmm. And then just reverse it when you get old enough and you can make that decision for yourself. And then nobody, ha- nobody has to worry about abortion. Mm-hmm. That is a problem solver, but yeah. you wouldn't want to regulate, you know, quote unquote men's bodies. No. Mm-mm. So I'm just going to say, fuck you. <laughs> so all she looked at me. I knew. Look at me. I was like, damn, girl. We're on the same team. Fuck you. So I just I just want to say, okay. Yes. And while I'm on the fuck you train, let's let's talk about this extremely dangerous false equivalency going around um, where people who are anti-mask, anti-vaxxers are trying to co-opt language used by people who believe in abortion and abortion rights to say, oh, my body, my choice. Uh Uh-huh. And the government should not be telling me what to do with my body. Uh Uh-huh. So first off, where the fuck are all you libertarians out there about this abortion ban? I haven't heard shit. I've heard a lot about the government can't tell me what vaccination to get. And the government's job isn't to regulate me and my mask wearing. But I have not seen anything by a, a quote unquote, like self-proclaimed libertarian about abortion. If you know someone, please, please let me know. I would love to see their feed. It would be like a brush breath of fucking air because this is like i'm sorry this is just a bee in my bonnet because like to me there's no comparison here because my abortion does not have any it doesn't put your life at risk nope i'm not endangering anyone else by doing something to my own body but you walking around without a mask on or you deciding not to get vaccinated could kill my child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My living child, the one that I wanted and I brought into this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was something else I was going to say too, was that these anti, the anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers are usually also pro-lifers. Mm-hmm. And if you're pro-life, wouldn't you want to protect life mm-hmm. by wearing a mask, by getting vaccinated? Mm-hmm. Isn't that pro-life? Or, oh, oh, no, wait, it's my body, my choice, right? Oh, well, that doesn't, that's incongruent. Right, doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense at all. Like a more accurate, um, like, equivalency would be that, like, I should be allowed to drink and drive because it's my right. And I should be allowed to not get a vaccine or wear a mask because it's my right. Both of those things endanger other people, which is why for the most part, there's not a ton of pushback to like drinking and driving. Like people, people are not up in arms about that. Like in the beginning, um, people were when like a lot of indoor smoking was banned. Mm -hmm. Um, But in general, like, people sort of get it now. Like, oh, secondhand smoke could also cause cancer in people who don't smoke. So maybe we shouldn't, you know, like accidentally kill somebody. 
And that should be important to you. It should be important to you to do whatever you can to not accidentally kill someone. Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't we all be worried about that? Shouldn't we be like really concerned? Like if we're pro-life, shouldn't we be doing like everything we can to preserve the lives of the people around us? 1500 people in America die every single day because of COVID. 1500 people every day. Today, 1500 people are going to die. Tomorrow, 1500 people are going to die. If you could do something simple, to help save some of those people, wouldn't you want to do it? So, I mean, and instead we're like, you know, closing down the the Planned Parenthoods and worshiping at the gates of hell because some person wants to protect their own future and own life by taking care of their own body. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm so sad about all of this. Yeah. It makes me sad that there are so many people out there that are just dug in on this so much that they are, are, are willing to kill other people. Yeah. I just wish, I just thought, I guess I just thought that people were better. And so, yeah, <laughs> it's like a dark turn. And this, <laughs> no, well, yeah, I think that that's, it, it, it did take a dark turn. However, this situation with Texas is terrifying. Mm-hmm. It because the whole the whole country could take a dark turn. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, I don't think Texas is going to be the only state who does this. Mm-mm. I mean, if the if the um, Department of Justice does not sh- act, shut this down, I think more and more states are going to start doing this. Mm-hmm because there's a precedent now with the Supreme court. Like this is why all of us were so freaking devastated when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died Yep, because we knew that this was coming. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you can call your, call your governors, call your senators, donate to the ACLU, donate mm-hmm. to Planned Parenthood, um, there is, I, we can put a link on here. There's a group of, um, organization called the aunties and they are a group of people who have, um, signed up to help people, um, get access to abortion if they need it. So you can either sign up as an auntie or you can donate there so that people who need access to this healthcare are able to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll put that in the show notes as well. But there are there are things that we can do. I'm not going to throw my hands up in the air and say like, oh, the humanity is dead. But <laughs> but boy, it like it feels like it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's been it's been a hard hard time. Um, and something that we didn't talk about uh, too people who choose to abort their child because they have a very, very dismal chance of surviving. Yes. Um, Or they might be um, born with a very, very debilitating illness. Um, Yes. And like, even, even those people in Texas aren't able to, aren't able to 
to have an abortion. Like even those people. And those are heartbreaking decisions. Right. Those are, those are decisions where like, I talked about how heartbreaking my miscarriage were. These are, these are people who expected those children to live mm-hmm. and want very much wanted those children only to find out that they would have a few hours of a very painful life before they died. Right. Or pregnancies that threatened the life of the mother themselves. Mm-hmm that we're actually, this bill is prioritizing the unborn child's life over the, the pregnant persons. And who exactly is going to be taking care of these children mm-hmm. in those scenarios? Right. So um, there's a lot, there's a lot left out um, that a lot of sometimes these decisions are really easy and are like this this you know like that like I've met people who had abortions that that felt great about them and I've met people who the reason that they chose to abort was absolutely heartbreaking and continues to be um because of how much they very very much wanted that child mm-hmm. um and so it is not it is not cut and dry Nope. And that's why we're pro-life mm-hmm. and pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the part that is cut and dry is that people who have uteruses should be able to decide what goes on inside them. Oh yeah. That part is very cut and dry for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Whew. So this is a heavy one. Yeah. I feel like I need a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> I gave my mom the last of my wine. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I know. So anyway, yes, thank you for thank you for hanging in there with us on this one. I know it was tough, and there was a lot of uh, potential uh, for um, triggering things for you as you're listening to this. So, if that happened to you, um, I hope that you are you have resources to help you process this. Um, but yeah. Thanks for listening. And that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push Podcast, make sure you hit subscribe, give us a review. The more subscriptions and reviews that we get, the more visibility we get, and the more easily we can find listeners just like you. Also, please consider uh, going to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash pushfitness to support our podcast and what we do. We would love it if you could show us some love over on our Patreon. So that's it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I guess have a good day. <laughs> we can, we can try. <laughs>